Hey traders, David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Tuesday, April 13, 2021. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. Let's get the big picture out on the table. Where are we? What's going on from a big picture perspective? Is anything jumping off the page when we populate with the daily chart of the SPY? Well, here's my thinking. This is hashtag inside my head. We're in the midst of a melt-up. In the middle of this melt-up, as part of the melt-up operation, we are likely to see some kind of a blow-off type of scenario. Now, we have ingredients on the table. Here's the recipe. You have to be in the middle of a melt-up. So we're already in the middle of a melt-up. So the market keeps going higher no matter what's on the table in terms of news, whatever the media has in their sights ends up to be either brushed under the rug or turned into a piece of good news. We know these scenarios. It's part of the recipe of the melt-up operation. They don't wittingly or knowingly do this, and I'm talking about the media. What happens is a piece of news will come out. Johnson & Johnson's vaccine has to be halted. There's an issue. Whatever it is and how deep it is, we really don't know. We know the first articles and the first part of the news cycle that came out today, early this morning, it's a problem. By the end of the day, nobody cares. So the fact that the media was made of it was not to promote the market, was because the market ended up brushing off the information and therefore the media tends to spin it in a positive light or at least minimize whatever negative implications the J&J news could have. The flip side is, and this didn't happen, but the flip side would have been if the market was on a hard sell today, let's say the S&P was down 50 points, 60 points, 70 points, whatever, pick a number. If that was happening, then it would have been down on the J&J news and the media would have been riding that negative news all day long. So they're driven by the direction of the market They're not actually producing the direction of the market. And here's the best part about that. They think that they are. They think that they impact the direction of the market, the folks on TV, the talking heads. The reality is, is they don't even realize that they're influenced by the direction of the market and they tailor the news delivery based on the direction of the market. They have no idea that they do that. So... All that being said, let's get back to what the likely scenario is, part of the recipe, the ingredients. So here's where we are. We're in the melt-up. What's the target? We don't need to have a target. Who knows what the target is? Is the target 4,200 on the S&P? Is it 42 and a quarter? Is it 4,198? Who knows what it is? It doesn't really matter at this point. But here's what's going on. We're at the front end of earnings season. We need earnings season for some volatility. So tomorrow on Wednesday morning, some of the banks get off early in the morning. And then the following day, there's another laundry list of earnings. So between Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon, and Thursday, we're going to get a plethora of releases. As an example, Wednesday morning, you have JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, Bed Bath & Beyond, Goldman Sachs, and a whole list of others. Thursday, Bank of America, Taiwan Semiconductor, Citigroup, PepsiCo, United Healthcare, Delta Airlines, BlackRock, and so on. So there's two schools of thought. On one hand, 
earnings could spook the market. It could send the lever to the trap door in the wrong direction. They open the door and everybody falls through. That certainly could happen. Keep in mind this. There's a vacuum between current price and let's just say 400 for argument's sake. The vacuum actually goes deeper. So on one hand, we could say earnings could spook the market and they could tumble the market in a one fell swoop type of scenario. The other side of that is they could use earnings, whatever they are. It doesn't matter what the earnings are. It's how the market takes in the information. It's how the marketplace interprets the release. Again, it's the media being driven by the movement of the stock after the release. You hear them say stupid stuff like, well, they're pouring through the report. They're pouring through the numbers. Nobody's pouring through anything. They're making the commentary on that particular earnings announcement dictated by what the movement of the stock is. The stock moves immediately. Nobody is buying or selling based on what the report says immediately. It doesn't work like that. So it could be the excuse, the spark to send the market on a quicker run to some higher number, some higher destination. Where is that higher destination? Is it 417? Is it 418? Is it 420 on the SPY? Again, we really don't know. So what do we do with that information or lack of information? We wait for the sign and signal of a trend change. If you don't get it for another 150 S&P handles, so be it. Can a trader take the ride up during a melt-up. They can as long as they have a complete and full understanding of the risk and where it is. We know that a vacuum exists below current price. Could wake up one morning and they could be a lot lower. That will happen at some point in the future. So when you're buying the market at highs, expecting to sell higher, you just need to understand what the risk is. But yeah, a trader could be long during a melt-up, that's up to the individual trader. Inside the numbers, we call that trader's choice. It's not for everybody, but it certainly is for some. Now, the way this unfolds is that, for example, JP Morgan and some of the others will report their earnings really early in the morning. So by the time most of you show up at the computer, stuff is likely already happening. Whether they're down or they're up, we don't know. Just setting the table for what's likely to happen Wednesday morning. Do we need to address other charts, other time frames? Here's a 240 chart. Here's a 120 chart. How about an hourly chart? They all look the same. They're in the middle of a melt-up operation. Let's take a peek over at Inside the Numbers. We'll circle back to Stocks on the Move, and of course, we'll go over the good, the bad, and the fugly. Today was Turnaround Tuesday. We didn't have a turnaround. We do on most Tuesdays. Yesterday was flat, today was up. I suppose if the market was down, we could have specified it was a turnaround. But since the market was up, we'll just go past the fact that it was Turnaround Tuesday and it was just Tuesday. They were pretty much flat as a pancake all night long. Had a little bit of a drop in the future after the J&J &J Corona vaccine news came out. Maybe that's not so safe. So this is what was going on at zero dark 30 in the morning. Let's move along and see what happened during the early thoughts. Again, a reminder, it's options expiration. This is not the weeklies, but this is the regular monthly expiring options. Some traders will call those 
regular way options. Even the shaky news about the vaccine didn't cause a rejection of price. So that's interesting, that's of note. That's information that I need to have before the opening bell. This keeps the possibility of a real blow-off within the melt-up operation intact about the numbers. Remember, SPY 41050 from yesterday. Here it is again. That's where they were during the pre-market as I was writing this up. Below on a spike or simply closing candles below opens the door for a test of 409.75 to 409.50. Let's make sure that one's clear. Below on a spike or simply closing candles below opens the door for a test of 409.75 down to 409.50, about a 25 cent spread. Let's check something out. You know the routine, right at the vertical, today's activity. Here's a five minute chart. There's 409.75. Price never came anywhere close to that zone during the trading day. Now we're looking at the pre-market data on the chart. What time is this? 7.05 a.m. 409.75 was the number in between that and 409.50. The low was 409.68. Funny how that works. The flip side is just continuing to push into no man's land, which ended up happening today anyway. One of the main ingredients for a blow-off during a melt-up operation is for bad news to be justified, massaged, and ignored, aka sweep it under the rug. Seem to be doing that today with the J&J news. So these are the thoughts that are on my mind in the pre-market. They're like the pre-game warm-up routine. Of course, we had a quiet open today, so we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on the SPY commentary today. What I urge you to do is pause the video and read the notes. There's obviously lessons learned, as you see in here, each and every day. Look here, 411 down to 41075 should be some support. They didn't even get there. Here's the pit session or regular session only data, and here it is. They couldn't even get down to run a test of 411. They just ended up taking off to the upside in a very, very quiet, low-volume tape. Let's scroll up and see what else we have in terms of notes. More discussion about the blow-off that could be developing, and I'm saying this isn't really from a technical perspective as much as it is I've seen this movie trailer before. The more evidence that builds, the more ingredients that end up on the table, it just looks more and more like a duck every single day. What's a duck? If it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, it's gonna be a duck the majority of the time. Once in a while, it's a fake out. We call that the ugly duck. Nice job for those that held on to a portion of NI. We'll get back to stocks on the move later. We did take notice that the transports were down, the IWM was down. Folks down at the transportation department and Camp IWM are getting taken behind the woodshed. Not really a woodshed kind of decline, just wanted to say it. Sometimes you just have to roll with my quirkiness. We all know inside my head is a dangerous place to be. Just leave it at that. See what else we have as we scroll up. Where would I like to take profit on AAL? That's another stock on the move. We'll get to those later. Remember these numbers, 2220 to 2225. Let's see what else we have. AL did the minimum required deal. Again, we'll get back to these later. There's nothing else going on. It was a floater market. As long as they stayed above 411, which they couldn't even run a test of earlier in the day, 
then that's it. It's just a chop shop formation and we're almost waiting on the melt up to resume and waiting on a blow off, at least I am. And they're floating around into the end of the day and there's nothing else to say. We have to trade and analyze the market that's in front of us, not the one we prefer it to be. Let's take a look at the stock on the move list today. Only two hit their price objectives in terms of entry targets, American Airlines and NI. The rest, one or two came close, the rest did not. What happens is when there's no volatility and all of a sudden a lot of stocks just catch a rally right out of the gate, it prevents them from getting to my number. What I believe is the destination that I am willing to put capital forth to take a trade. So today, we had two of those. The first one was AAL, American Airlines getting a haircut at the open. And in theory, well, I don't go by this, but in theory, if you had to have a theory, if you had to have a soap opera attached to the reason a stock was doing something, you would say this. Airlines were getting hit because there's fear that the virus could potentially reemerge if the vaccines aren't what we thought they were, so we shut down the airlines and we buy Pelotons. But when they started brushing the news under the rug, American Airlines caught a bid. Either way, you know I don't believe in any of that nonsense. We go with the numbers. 2184 was the number on the board bright and early. There was a second number, never got there. And the second number was close by, 2155. They didn't even get there. They found a low, they turned around, and went up in the other direction, never looking back to 2184. So therefore, a trader could have taken a profit at the minimum required profit target and held a portion, half, a third, 40%, 60%, whatever the trader wants to hold, they could have hold a portion for the remainder of the day, and guess what? They pretty much went out on the highs. We call that a risk-free, emotionless trade, and that would have been on the portion that you were holding, not the portion you sold for the minimum required base hit. Why do we do that? Because base hits put us in the Hall of Fame, and we wanna make sure that we book a profit, and then we can relax a bit and have that risk-free, emotionless trade opportunity on our hands. From entry to high, what was that, about a 3.5% number? It's pretty good. Doesn't compare to Nysource though. Look at this rocket ride. First of all, getting a buzz cut at the open. Stock closed yesterday at 24.75. And where do we find low? How about 23.48 against an entry put on the board bright and early long before the opening bell, 23.53. The rest is as they say, history. That my friends is a rocket ride. So after those two early in the morning, do we really care that there wasn't a juicy S&P 500 trade, that they're in a melt-up? Well, we would like a trade, but we take what the market gives us, and what that gave us today was stress-free trades. We like those. What's going on over in Camp IWM? Well, we minimized the importance of the moving average convergence of the 20 and the 50. And here's the deal they can't seem to get above the 20 and the 50. So maybe it's more important than I'm giving them credit for. Either way, it doesn't really matter. The bottom line is 24.37 at a bare minimum. That's the high of this last breakup candle. What are they doing? They're making a bearish, wedgish kind of formation inside of that last breakup candle. 
So generally speaking, they're going to go lower. But if they gap up, for example, or they're able to close hourly and then daily above 224.37, then they're going to move higher, not lower. They'll turn back the trend on the daily chart to up. Right now, we'll have to call it a neutral since they're right on the convergence of these moving averages, just below them by pennies. But there's no accidents nor coincidences in the market. They're there because there's indecision. We have to be fair. We have to be the umpire calling balls and strikes. There's no reason under the sun that this may not be happening. This is the same thing that happened in the queues. And guess what happened? The queues went higher. So we have to be aware that this pattern may be a bullish thing going on. Inside of that, you have a shorter term deal from a bearish standpoint going on. We may have an A, B, C, and the C may be in its infancy stage. We may have an A, B, C, and maybe the C hasn't begun yet. And I've given you too many different possibilities for the daily chart of the IWM. And when we're able to do that, and by the way, I did that on purpose because I want to prove a point. When you can see too many possibilities that are real possibilities, then you can't do anything. You just don't know. There's nothing on this page that we could say is better than a coin flip. So what are we going to do? Move it along. What about the folks down at the transportation department? Now, they were down more earlier, but still finished down about a hundy, a little more than that. But look where they are in the chart. Here, we're going to have to say the trend is your friend until she dumps you. Hey, now, this is why we look at a variety of different charts. On the 60-minute chart, what do we have? We have a drop early in the day, and then the market was basically putting in a bearish, wedgish kind of thing. Now, will they run a test of the high or in the vicinity of the high of the breakdown candle? They may. If they get above it, we know that's just sheer bullishness. What about the folks out in Silicon Valley? Well, guess what? How about a new all-time high? The trend is your friend until she dumps you. And this is what we were just discussing as it relates to the IWM. Here's the one that played out in the queues. We talked about it before it played out, and here it played out. Here's the difference between the IWM and the queues. The queues already played out. How come the IWM isn't up as much as or more than the queues if it in fact is a leading market indicator? It's a good question. We have what's called a non-confirmation signal. What is that? Well, in this case, it pertains to the IWM not confirming new highs that the queues just made. Now, these two markets don't relate to each other. They have nothing to do with each other in large part other than the fact that they're both indices, that they're both going to, in large part, go up together and down together in bigger moves. But why isn't the IWM making a new high like the Qs, like the Dow, like the S&P? Is it telling us something? It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. It's been on the table. Did the weekly chart of the Qs just recock the gun, and here we are, new highs. Are we going significantly higher? And you don't know until you know. So right now, we use the former high as a bogey. We don't have to guess. We just keep it simple. As long as they're above the former high, 338.19, 
closing above it, trading above it. As long as they're up in that neighborhood above, then they're bullish and there's nothing wrong with the tape. Period. Full stop. Now, this is a weekly chart, but you can say the same thing for the daily chart. As long as they're above that high on hourly closes and daily closes, they're in good shape. If they trade above it for a while and then all of a sudden recapture on the downside the former high, well, that's a different scenario. That's a technical signal in and of itself. The XLF, yesterday they closed at a new high by a penny or two. Today, they're back down below, but they're in bullish formation. Or are they? Is the hourly chart trying to tell us something? Is this a move downward and then a bearish, flaggish kind of thing that will generally result in another move downward? Well, on that scenario, $35.14 is the bogey. Getting above on hourly closes, 35.14, will be bullish and they'll likely run up to fill the gap. It at least opens the door for them to run up and fill the gap. Staying below keeps the bearish scenario on the table. All charts act and react the same way. We could have been looking at pork bellies. It doesn't make a difference. How about Smash Mouth? We do not have a new high. So you would think if Smash Mouth is a leading indication of the cues or of the tech space, that the semiconductor space would already be making a new high. Well, it's not, but here's what it is doing. It is making a bullish, flaggish kind of formation. So you can see that here. You have a move higher, and you've been eating time off the clock near the highs. They're building energy to bust through the highs. That's what the tape is saying until it does something else, then it'll be saying something else. What's that something else? 248.03, start getting below on hourly closes and then close the day below 248.03. Something else is developing. They'll fill the gap down below and run into these moving averages and we'll take care of the rest in real time if that did develop. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.